welcome to Beckett Talks, the podcast series from Leeds Beckett University. In these podcasts, we will be showcasing our diverse community of students and academics, touching on the important themes that surround universities today. So the Leeds Sustainability Institute is a cross-disciplinary institute covering a large amount of the sustainable development goals. Um, we've specialised in the area of the built environment or the built and the natural environment. We've got a team of experts working on behavioural science, data science, building physics and energy efficiency. So collaborative working um, in sustainability um, and in the built and natural environment has become increasingly important as we're driving towards a zero carbon agenda. Most of the problems that we're dealing with uh, are, require multidisciplinary uh, expertise to feed in to solve the problems. So the problems that we're facing as we decarbonise um, our built environment and our transport infrastructure re require expertise in physics, uh, in behavioural science um, and in structures and engineering. Uh, and we've got to drive that forward with a very collaborative approach to solving some of these complex problems. So with COP26 um, and the zero carbon agenda, there is a lot of work to, to undertake within the built environment. We've got some significant changes to both our sort of infrastructure and the way that we engage with that infrastructure. So we've got to decarbonise our cities and our buildings. We've got to look at the embodied energy contained within those buildings. But we've also got to look at the way those buildings are operated. And we've got to develop smarter, more energy efficient systems that, that make that operation of the buildings and the built environment. So, so both the environment outside and inside buildings have got to become better, more, more efficient environments that, that actually ensure that we can operate in those buildings effectively, but with much less energy. Um, and that is, a, that is a multidisciplinary approach. There's a lot of changes that we've got to undertake to decarbonise our cities. We've got to improve the fa fabric, the insulation of our buildings, and we've got to improve the operation of our services, um, and we've got to make them smart. But certainly the way that we engage as a community with our buildings has also got to change. So we've got to be less wasteful and more resource efficient um, when we're working within buildings and actually constructing and using them and maintaining them.
So the Leeds Sustainability Institute has a reputation for testing um, the energy efficiency of buildings. We've, we've undertaken scientific tests to work out how thermal resistance the building fabric is and how well the building services work. The, the tests that we've undertaken are very much scientific tests which provide good um, baselines of building energy efficiency but they're not really appropriate for testing the whole building stock. The government is engaged in a programme to put smart meters into all the buildings across the UK and we're going to start using those smart meters to work out just how energy efficient those buildings are and work out whether they are an A, B, C, D or E rating on the energy performance certificates of those buildings. And once we know how energy efficient they are, we'll get a better idea of how to upgrade those buildings. So we're working with a number of companies across the UK and Europe um, to determine the best methods of, of getting the energy efficiency of a building from the data that's, that's you, almost that we're creating uh, when we're using those buildings. So the smart meters that are being rolled out are giving us data on how much energy is used and how that energy increases when the temperature outside the building drops or when we see fluctuations. But we're getting better profiles of the way that people use buildings and we should also be able to see where the buildings are not being used effectively or where we're being quite wasteful with the appliances that we've got in buildings. So the smart meters that we're installing at the moment are providing a huge opening into both creating data that will let us know just how energy efficient our buildings are, but the behaviours that we've got to change, so switching off appliances when they're not needed, not heating buildings when we, when we don't want them to be heated, so if we're heating buildings when we're not in them, that's not appropriate. So we will be able to have both smart meters and smart technologies that help us manage our buildings. So we've got 27 million buildings in the UK and we, we build less than 1% new builds every year. So the replacement of existing buildings is very slow. So the buildings that we've got today will be with us for some years, for the next 20, 30, 40 years and possibly a lot longer than that. Um, and many of those buildings are inefficient and use a lot of energy to heat them up. And not only that, they're, they're not very comfortable. They're, they're often, if they're inefficient, they're, they're cold and may suffer problems of, of uh, dampness and mould. So we've, we've got to transform the building stock, not just to make it more energy efficient, but to make the buildings better places to live and more healthy places to live. So we've, we've got a, a massive challenge on our hands to upgrade the existing building stock. So we're currently seeing a lot of initiatives being rolled out by government, local authorities to upgrade a lot of the, the, the poorer housings. Um, and we want to certainly uh, address some of the problems that we've got with uh, fuel poverty, where people are spending more than 10% of their income on fuel to heat buildings. And a lot of people do live in inefficient uh, buildings that are, are very low on the energy performance certificate rating and we've got to 
look at the different ways that we're going to improve those buildings, both in the fabric and the services. So the building envelope, the, the bricks and the mortar of the building, or, or whatever the envelope is made of, we're going to improve that and create more energy efficient envelopes that require less energy to heat, less heat that's gone, going through whatever heating system we're installing. And then we've got to look at more energy efficient heating systems and that, that aren't reliant on, on carbon uh, fuels. So for the buildings across the UK and, uh, and Europe and the world, our built environment um, contributes to currently to somewhere between 35 and 40 percent of our carbon emissions. So it's a huge sort of problem and, and sector that we've got to challenge um, in terms of going towards zero carbon. This is the one area that um, that we have got to change if we are going to go zero carbon. So we've got to upgrade both the fabric and improve the services that we use. And we've also got to use those buildings better. So we've got to better understand those buildings and interact with them better. Um, so we need more information on how to use our buildings more effectively. But we also have to upgrade our building stock. And at the LSI, we're upgrading the building stock and working with contractors and suppliers and government through our research projects and testing the energy efficiency of buildings and, and the types of retrofit, the types of changes we can make building to buildings to make them more energy efficient so that we use less energy, it costs us less, um, and we benefit from what hopefully will one day be a zero carbon built environment. Living more sustainably is, is, is quite a challenge. So everybody uh, lives differently and they've got different habits and we've got different cultural norms. And the places that we live will require different levels of energy to, to heat them. Um, and we've, we, we've, we've not only got to decarbonise, but we've got to reduce the amount of energy that we use in our day-to-day -day lives. So we don't have to generate as much energy from our green infrastructure, from our green energy generation. So we've, we've got to look at ways that we can improve both our buildings and our homes so that we can make significant reductions to the energy efficiency of our homes. We've also got to look at our transport and there is a challenge so we can see that uh, electric cars, certainly when you use them, don't need to be carbon intensive and make a significant improvement in terms of the reduction of emissions directly from the cars. So changing towards electric vehicles is, is one of the ways that we can sort of improve our transport behaviour towards decarbonisation, but equally making use of bikes and walking uh, for some people can be both a benefit in terms of using less energy, but also can bring health benefits. With our transport infrastructure, the move towards electric, electrification and electric vehicles, I think represents a significant and huge change to the way that um, we're going to live our lives. So we can see that the electric cars are uh, and vehicles are more expensive at the moment than uh, our diesel and petrol cars. But they often come with a lot of additional benefits. And we can see in the future that uh, automation in cars 
is likely to be with us in, in the not so distant future, which may mean that we're able to car share more, which will mean that the technology brings with it not just energy efficiency in using the cars, but we rely on less uh, material to construct those cars if we're not owning two or three cars and we can use one car or share a car or share transport or, or, or integrate our transport system. The thing that, that also strikes me from my own behaviour as a family is when I look at the amount of rubbish that comes out of my house, it shocks me to know that when I was a child we had just uh, one bin outside and now, now we have three and they're regularly filled with rubbish. And that wasteful attitude has to change. So almost regardless of what the, the packaging of a product is, it takes energy to produce that packaging and it takes energy to dispose of that packaging. And we know that uh, it can also release uh, contaminants into the environment if we're using harmful uh, packaging. So we have got to look at the way we buy things, uh, our consumerism. We've got to be much more conservative in our day-to-day -day life and less wasteful when we're buying and replacing things. So I think in terms of the way that we encourage people to change is that we, we have a lot to learn um, from the people around us and how they are becoming more energy efficient, how we can save money so that we can spend it on the things that we probably want to so we can treat ourselves in, in certain ways and, and making ourselves very much aware of some of the wasteful things that we do that, that don't give us any benefit in our life. So the packaging that we throw away has, has no significant benefit other than protecting the products, but maybe we can protect products in other ways and be a bit more careful and remove that and remove the cost of that and that's so that we've got extra income to, to spend on other things. We should look at our heating strategies or our heating uh, behaviour in homes. So making sure that we turn off the heating when we don't heat it and make sure that we don't uh, warm a house up well before the, we're, we're all in it. So, make, so working out when we actually need uh, the energy going into a home for heating it. And that will save us money directly and will reduce our energy bills, but reduce the amount of uh, energy that we need to heat them and the, and the carbon intensity of, of, of that house. Also insulating the home and ensuring that they're not too drafty. So seeing those drafts where we don't want them around windows and doors. Also looking at our transport strategies. So certainly the local trips to the shops or, the, or, or, or dropping children off at school if you can build a bit of extra time into a day so that maybe we're walking a little bit more when we can or using other forms of transport that aren't carbon intensive. Um, and that's not always possible. Day-to-day -day lives get very busy. But where we can, if we can make subtle adjustments to our transport strategies, that could have a significant impact and improve our health. So one of the things that concerns me is the amount that we use diesel and petrol cars and we use them in areas where our children are and they are heavy polluters and have toxic uh, chemicals released that, that will affect our children's health and life. So where we can reduce uh, the use of cars around children, I think that's really important. The other thing that we need to do is be less wasteful. So making sure that we don't, use, don't uh, select products that, that have a lot of packaging that we are going to throw away. 
and making things last a little bit longer. So we might be spending a bit more money but buying something that we know we're going to keep a little bit longer and recycling things wherever possible or reusing things and giving things to other people or buying second-hand things might become something that we choose to do in the future. So becoming less wasteful, making sure we use less energy wherever we can in our homes and adopting transport strategies or, or adopting movement strategies that rely less on, on vehicles where we can do that and then sharing vehicles. Creating a sustainable community is going to require a very cooperated and community-based approach. So you can't go into a community and tell a community what is good for that particular community. But engaging with communities to find out what is happening at that level that is good and what people want in their lives can be very helpful for looking at the practices that, that will help change to more energy efficient and, and sustainable communities. Everybody wants a better standard of living, everybody wants cleaner air and everybody wants to be friendly and, and secure in their environment. And uh, there are things that we can do by engaging with all of the people, all of the businesses, all of the schools, the universities, the councils who are involved in those uh, communities, bringing them together to look at uh, shared, common, co-created goals that, that align with sustainable development goals, but are very much a community-based and community-driven approach. I think everybody wants similar things, but they want it in a slightly different way. They want to live their lives as they, as they choose, and they want to benefit from certainly a cleaner, a, a healthier environment. Um, but they may want to live it just a little differently. And we look, should be looking for quite diverse solutions to the same problem that are very much led from communities. So we're engaging with a lot of, uh, a lot of communities at the moment um, in partnership with councils and other universities and schools and businesses, as well as the community, to, to try and look at what are the solutions that can come from the community to achieve uh, net zero carbon built and natural environment for that community. I think at the moment there are two sort of groups at, at each end of the spectrum where some people see sustainability as something that somebody else will, will solve and it'll be solved sometime in, in the distant future and we shouldn't be too worried about it. And there are others that, that, that are not just recognise it as a climate emergency but are, but are panicking about the, the impacts that, um, uh, uh, that we're seeing through uh, global warming. With my, my view is that global warming is taking place um, and there is a need to react now to certainly reduce the increase in global temperatures and to do everything that is possible to ensure that they are held at the 1.5 level which the COP26 has, has timed up to. Um, my, my, my view is that we also should be doing more than is being suggested and, we, uh, and that businesses, I think, are recognising the, the benefits of, of engaging with a green and a zero carbon agenda and a sustainability agenda, one that benefits the people now. So even if you, are, you think that sustainability is not the problem that, that, that people are suggesting it is, 
I think there are things that you should do now just to improve the environment that's around you. So you should be breathing cleaner air. You should be getting uh, food supplies that are healthier and local. And why not benefit from those uh, regardless of the sustainability agenda? And it's the same with the, the transport strategies is, is getting more active or, or walking a bit more and meeting more people in the community could often bring benefits um, regardless of the sustainability agenda goals. There are benefits now and people really should be acting now to, to realise those benefits in their lifetime um, and then hopefully leave a much better, more resilient uh, environment that's fit for us to habitat in the future for the next generations. Leeds Beckett University is a modern, high quality university transforming lives through professional, academic and applied learning and adding to the social, economic and cultural life of our city and region. We educate the bright minds that will help solve the problems of tomorrow. We collaborate with thousands of regional, national and international businesses to ensure our research and courses are contemporary, rich and relevant to meet the needs of our students and their present and future employers. Our campuses house exceptional teaching, research and learning environments which provide our students with access to state-of-the-art facilities. Across a range of disciplines, our researchers are striving to improve quality of life, equality and the environment around us. We are dedicated to making a difference. To find out more about Leeds Beckett University, our courses and our community of staff, students and alumni, please visit leedsbeckett.ac.uk. So recently we've uh, been doing a lot of air quality monitoring, both indoors and, uh, and outdoors, and looking at how uh, healthy our internal environments are. And we've been doing this for a number of years through looking at building fabrics indoors and looking at thermal comfort and looking at where mould might grow in, in buildings that are not very well designed or, or, or particularly cold buildings. We're realising that the relationship between our outdoor environment and our indoor environment is a very close and interconnected one. Um, so certainly the buildings that we've got in the city centres that were, or the buildings that are very close to railways or roads are going to suffer from poorer air quality and also those that are near of power stations that are still uh, uh, fuelled by coal or, or, or burning carbon-intensive products, they're going to be impurities in the, in the air. We need to be looking at, at the air that's coming into buildings and what uh, impurities or, or um, organic compounds are coming into that, that building um, and, and quite what the impact on is on, on the people who use those buildings. We're working um, with the NHS and we're going to be looking at people who are um, probably more vulnerable to respiratory uh, problems, and and again looking at the uh, the the environment that they they're in and the air that they're breathing, and it, and it may be as simple as it might be better to open windows on one side of the building rather than the other side, but there may be more complex problems. We may be actually drawing in air from the building through an inlet, a mechanical inlet that's taking 
uh, poor air that, that that's affected by uh, transport or by um, the, 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 the flow of, of air into our cities, the direction that the wind blows. Um, and it may be just better to take the, the, the air into the building from another side or, or, or from higher up or lower down. Uh, obviously, with COVID, um, we're looking at ventilation strategies. And those ventilation strategies at the moment are very much, let's open the windows and ensure that the, 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 the rooms are well ventilated, which also has an, an impact on the energy efficiency of those buildings. And we're doing it without as much um, scientific rigour as we could have. So there are some good leading scientists working on this and working on air movement and the impact of, of both viruses and um, problems with air quality. But what we want to do is understand more of the building stock and understand how the, our, the environments that we live in affect our health. And most of us are quite resilient and can put up with can quite difficult conditions but some of us have respiratory problems a lot of people have respiratory problems and suffer and die as a consequence of the poor air in and around our buildings and cities so we're doing quite a bit of work to help us better understand our environments and hopefully understand the impact that both a poor environment has on, on people and what we can do to improve those environments so that we get better quality environments that, that help us all, help our children, help those who are vulnerable and help us when, whenever there's a problem such as the pandemic to both ventilate our buildings but also keep them energy efficient and comfortable. Um, the pandemic has been really interesting. So during the pandemic, uh, across the globe, there was a significant reduction in the amount of energy that was being used and a massive improvement in the air quality uh, in cities around the world. And that, that, that's already been studied and there's, there's lessons to learn from that. Importantly, as well as we've come out of the pandemic, we've quickly re returned to practices that... that are not good for the environment. So um, for me, from an anecdotal perspective, I used to be, during the pan pandemic, and as I was working from home, I was able to see hills that I'd never seen before from the, the top floor of our house. And once again, after the pandemic, they've disappeared beyond the horizon. And so what, was, what I thought was a, a natural horizon wasn't the natural horizon. I, and during the pandemic, because of our clean air, we could see, I could see much further. And interestingly, as I come into uh, uh, the city this morning, I can see um, that uh, there's, a, that there's what appears to be a mist or, or, or a, a, a bit of smog around. And, and during the pandemic, you could see that that, that had got, that, to a large extent, that had gone. So there's a lot that we can learn both about what we're doing with our emissions that affect, uh, affect us and affect the quality of our air and also the cleanliness and the look of our cities. Um, but also we've got to reflect on our working practices. So certainly during the pandemic, most of us travelled less and were working from home. And I don't think that's going to work for everybody in the future, but certainly blended working practices will make us use our homes probably more effectively and our places of work better as well. Um, so we are likely to need less infrastructure for our places of work 
if we're working at home a little bit more. And maybe we can make better and more engaging environments in those places of work and, and also improve our homes as a result of, uh, of living there and working there slightly longer. I think there is a, there's a lot to learn from the pandemic. Um, it's not something that we, we want to encounter again, but we shouldn't um, lose those lessons and some of the benefits that we saw from the pandemic. And then we should look at how we might realise those benefits, maybe in different ways and different practices. So the members of the group that I manage and myself all feed into lectures. So they feed into lectures that on technology, on building services and on behaviour. And right from undergraduate to PhD students, people are benefiting from engaging and us talking about the research that we're doing. So the research that we're doing on, uh, on the environment, the research we're doing on building services, on building fabrics, on building materials um, and on behaviour are all uh, front-end, leading-edge research uh, and our students benefit from the knowledge we have and, and we're building those into both presentations that we do that then are, are shared not only with our community but with others outside the university. So we're doing a lot of work to both embed the latest knowledge that we're learning, the latest, latest developments in science, and also to ensure students are aware of some of the technology that, that might be front-end that's not quite with us yet, but we are likely to see in the future as a result uh, of research that we're taking place both uh, in the UK and uh, with our partners overseas. The students are massively important in the transformation that we, ne that we need to take place. And my generation and the generation of many of those who I work with are probably responsible, well they are responsible for, some, for the emissions. We need a massive transformation in the way that we behave, in the way that we uh, work, the way that we procure work, the way that we uh, operate and the technologies that inform uh, our buildings and our environment and our science that underpins all, all of that uh, development. And the people who are going to do that are the students of Leeds Beckett and the students of other universities. Universities and their undergraduate and, and master's programmes and postgraduate programmes are going to be the thing that that really does push us forward and transform. So they are the practitioners of the future. They are the people we'll be leading. They're the CEOs who are going to take us forward um, and make the changes. And we're really just uh, setting um, the knowledge, the, the underpinning knowledge that they can then use and jump from springboarders into the future so that we've got better places to live. Um, I, and I've pin all my hope on our graduates uh, and undergraduates. They're, they're rich with enthusiasm and passionate about the subjects um, and I can see that they will be the leadership of the future that takes us forward and transform the world that we live in. We've changed the way that we teach now so we have blended approaches which means that students are exposed to far richer 
information than they ever were in the past. They have much greater access than anybody has previously accessed in, in the past. So um, using the multimedia environments, the web, the uh, uh, services that we subscribe to as a university means that our students can look at uh, the science and, uh, uh, and the knowledge that exists, simulate that, pull that together, and inform their opinions. We work both practically with students and we work theoretically to drive their thinking forward, um, positioning uh, the, their work and their efforts um, for the future. So current students ha have a very different way of working to the, the ways that we used to work. And I'm always impressed with the skills that they develop, the transferable skills and knowledge, which means that they are able to operate much quicker and use technologies in a totally different way to those that, that were used in the past. And the, the speed of change for our students now is rapid and the, and the skills that they learn, the digital skills and the practical skills and the professional skills really do give them a, a strong position in the current market to get a, a start in on the career and also progress up that, that uh, career rapidly in a world that really does rely on their, those skills. The Beckett Talk podcasts are released every Tuesday, so don't forget to check our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to find out more details on our next episode. See you next week.